This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to go this morning. Um, And I'm hoping that, um, well, I'm hoping that we can just quickly just get some thoughts across this morning. I don't want to be too long, A, because we've got the kiddies in with us, B, it's hot, and C, my voice is going, much much to my wife's delight. I'm not so sure how much longer this is going to last. Apparently, we've been shouting all week. Yeah, maybe so. Um, But as you know, we've been at uh, Yorkshire Christian Camp. Um, We've had a fantastic time. Uh, Busy, but good for the soul. Um, It's been one of those sorts of weeks. But I have to be honest, my hips... I don't know whether this is an age-related thing. My hips are in bits. Honestly. Well, I blame it on the field being up and down, and they had us... They had us, yeah, I was sat down too much. They had us running around and, and all that sort of stuff. But while I mention the running, <coughs> there's an annual cross country that happens. Now it was 4.4K, so it's not a lot. <coughs> Enough distance for most people to go, I ain't doing it. Um, but there were 85 people that, uh, that got involved in that. And I would say there's about 25 that really went for it. I came 12th. I came 12th. I was quite pleased with that. I was quite pleased with that. Being as everybody that beat me apart from two blokes, two blokes who, who, who were older than me. Um, but one of the guys is a guy called Chris Muster. Um, and on New Year's Day, just because it's fun, he runs 30 miles in, a, in an event. So it just sort of puts into perspective the guy. Just for fun. He's a guy who does ultra marathons. So he won, needless to say. Um, and the rest of us were a long way behind. But 12th church, we're pleased with that, no? Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, thanks. You know. Anyway. But my hips are uh, are suffering, but never mind. But um, I had the privilege of sharing on Friday at the early morning Bible studies. um, But I was focused around uh, the compassion of Jesus. But in that story, um, in Matthew chapter 14, you get sort of three stories that are um, all part of the, the same story, if you like. And the, the theme that runs through them, essentially, is John the Baptist. Um, now, you'll have heard of John the Baptist before, I'm sure, or John the Baptizer. It didn't denote his uh, church preference or his doctrinal stance. <laughs> um, but uh, John the Baptist um, is in a moment um, where, well, he's in prison. Um, And the truth of the story is, he's at the end of his life. Uh, His job, as it were, is done. John perhaps does not quite know that at this point, or maybe he does. Um, But he's in prison. And he's in prison because he has stood on the word of God. Um, Herod uh, has decided that he wants his brother's wife. um, And he's decided that he's going to do that. Um, And John has said, look, that is not okay. As far as the Mosaic law goes, that is not acceptable. So uh, you can find that in Leviticus 18, verse 16. Um, And John has said, that's not all right. And because of that, because of standing on truth, because of standing on the word of God that he so believed, 
then he has been thrown into prison. Now we know that John, um, if you know him at all, was uh, related to Jesus, um, but also they had a special relationship. John himself was called before he was uh, even born to be this man who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. He was set apart from birth, um, and there's a, a title that are given to such people throughout the Bible. There are a few of them. He is one of them. He's what's called a Nazarite. So if you want to have a look at that or find out what that's about, then um, you can dig into that. If you want any information on what a Nazarite is, let me know. Um, it's quite an interesting study. So why is all of this sort of significant for us this morning? Well, let's have a read of Matthew chapter 14, just verses 3 through 12. Um, and then we'll see what the Lord's got to say to us. It says this, Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that a request be granted and had John beheaded in prison. His head was bought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning and we just ask, Lord God, that you might just help us in these just few short moments to just open up our hearts and our minds, just to hear what you've got to say to us, Father, that we might learn something this morning. Father, I pray that you might speak through me and that you might bless us as your church, Father, so that we might be a blessing to those around about us. We ask this in Jesus' name. So it's fair to say that Jesus had a special relationship with John and and that really starts, as Luke records for us, in, in Luke chapter 1 um, and verse 41. We get the, uh, I guess, the, the breakdown of the story that, that just really shows us the connection between Jesus and John. It says this in verse 39 of Luke chapter 1. At that time, Mary, Jesus' mother, uh, readied and hurried to town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. This is John the Baptist's mother. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb uh, leaped, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Who, uh, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And it goes on. But essentially, John the Baptist, John himself, leaped inside his mother's womb at the greeting of Mary. John, as we've said, has been set apart, set apart to do the work of God. And his calling um, was even evident right in the very first meeting while he was still in his mother's womb. And John spent his entire life sharing the good news of the coming Messiah. Showing and telling people he was a man who lived out in the desert. The, the Bible tells us he ate locusts and honey. He was a wild man. I've tried that game. I, was, I wasn't too keen on the locusts and my honey said I had to come home. Hey! I'm here all week. I'm not actually. 
Anyway, so John's, John's calling was absolutely to do as the Lord had called him to do. And he spent all of his hours, all of his time, either looking into the word or sharing the word with people, breaking down what the prophets are saying and what the Lord says, and expecting then of this coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, leading and preparing the way for Jesus to come onto the scene. And I, I guess now, when we look at this story and we see John in prison, we, we can have moments, can't we, where things will come into our life. You know, um, sharing the gospel when you're feeling good is really easy, isn't it? Or it's easier, should I say. When you feel good, when everything seems to be ticking over nicely, when everything seems to be lined up well. It's, it's easier to share the gospel. Oh, it's good to say, oh, God's doing this, and, you know, this is what the Bible says. And, and it's easy, easier to do that. But when, I guess, when we find ourselves in the valley, um, as John found himself in prison, it's very difficult to continue on in that vein and to keep pushing forward. Because naturally, as we are human beings... When things aren't going right, our whole self feels like everything isn't going right. And we can feel like we're on our own. And we can feel like we're uh, fighting the battles by ourselves. And I guess when we're spiritually on it, things are easier to deal with. But when things aren't right or circumstances change, it doesn't take long for us, does it, for things to sort of spiral out of control. Um, now, I'm not telling you that to discourage you. I'm telling that to encourage you because I can sometimes think it's only me who gets like that. You know that roller coaster? Like everything's brilliant, everything's terrible. Everything's fantastic. Oh, woe is me. Doesn't, it doesn't take much either. And I'm only being real and human with you, and I'm sure you've felt the same. But when you read through the Bible... John the Baptist, Jesus de describes John as, as there was literally nobody this side of glory like him. He was a one on his own. He was a, absolutely dedicated to everything that God had called him to. And, and Jesus himself says he, he was literally one on his own. But circumstances got so much that even John, would you believe, even John was susceptible to doubt and to fear. Um, I've, titled, um, I've titled my message, When Doubt Creeps In. And I think that's so relevant. It's so relevant for me, because as I say, we can be so high in the sky and just the, the smallest circumstance changes. And, and I'm not making little of things that change, because sometimes they're really big life events. And things change and we lose that perspective and the doubt creeps in. And, and, and John, it, it's a life-changing event that's occurred that's now found him in prison. He's not about to um, push his testimony to one side and say, do you know what, Herod, I've decided that prison's not for me. Um, what, you can do what you want, you're the king. He, he hasn't done that. He stood on it even when it doesn't seem like there's much blessing coming out of it. And just have a look again, if you would, in, in Luke. Um, in Luke chapter 7, we get sort of a, um, a brief account of what's happening in prison with John. 
And John finds himself questioning everything. The the fear and the doubt have, have crept in. And in verse 18, it says, John's disciples told him all about the things um, that had happened. And if you just look, um, just a, a story up, it's, it's labelled or titled, Jesus Raises a Widow's Son. They're, they're, Jesus is about doing his father's work. John's in prison, he can't get to see it. But his disciples, his, his people who look after him and care for him, his friends, his followers, are going back to him and saying, look, Jesus is doing all these things. A lot of stuff's happening, John. Don't, don't be disheartened. Um, but this is happening and that's happening. And, and it says then that John, calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask. So he sent them to Jesus. And listen what he asks. He says this, Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? So John, who's been set apart to do the Lord's work, knows Jesus from even in his mother's womb, is absolutely sure and certain. He spent his entire life out in the wilderness eating locusts and honey, delivering the word of God, teaching people the word of God, baptizing people into faith. And and now, well, of course, in the darkness and in the depths of prison, His disciples have come to him and he says to them, go and and ask the Lord if he is the one. Somebody needs to ask him, is is he the one? Or should we expect somebody else? Now I don't know whether John was considering um, the impending um, death that was to come or whether he was just trying to find out if his life's work was for something. But either way, however you want to look at it, it's obvious that John was doubting. His faith stood sound and sure. He wasn't about to back down on who he was, but nevertheless, he wanted to make sure and the doubting and the fear was giving him an internal pounding, if you like. I don't believe for a second that John is wavering in his belief. Because I guess if if that was the case, why send somebody to Jesus? You'd send them to Herod, wouldn't you? And say, go and tell Herod that it's okay to do what you're doing. I won't mention it again. He's right. But he doesn't do that. He sends his disciples to Jesus. And I guess our question this morning is, how tough is this in our own lives? I guess when these times come in um, and these difficulties arise, we have these two, two options. And option one is, and sometimes more favourable, and that's me being honest with you, option one is we turn and run. We, we turn and we run. We step away from our faith and our belief and we go, do you know what? It's all just a bit too much. I can't deal with that today or I can't deal with that this month or I can't deal with that because of these circumstances because everything that I've believed to this point now seems to be somewhere else and I've done all that I can do and now this has happened and it's like, God, where are you? What are you doing? 
Why have you allowed this, whatever this might be, to happen? So option one, it, it, I guess if we sort of break down into what option one looks like, it looks like pulling away from Christian friends. It looks like reducing your circle of Christian people. It looks like skipping church, because why would I want to come to church? A, I'm doubting that God would allow this to happen, so what on earth's going off? And B, well, I'm doubting that anybody even remotely interested in church or God is not just somebody who's floating in the clouds and has lost the plot. Because when reality happens, you sort of scratch your head and go, what is going off? And I guess it looks like we stop listening to the, uh, the, the pastor podcast or a church, the churches around about us or the teaching podcast or we avoid worship music because why would I want to get myself immersed in that? Because at the moment I'm just scratching my head. I'm sending my disciples to go and find out and see if this Jesus man is the right bloke. That's what's happening. Or there's option two. And option two is really difficult because option one's so easy. <laughs> you know when you go to the uh, opticians, is it better with number one or number two? And you go, you've not changed them, have you? <laughs> well, I'd take option one, but option two says this. Um, we move to clarify and reinforce our faith. And although John sent his disciples to go and find out with Jesus, John's expecting something back. And option two really is, is the route that John goes down. Um, and we can see this by the way uh, that he asks the questions. He says, go and find out if Jesus is basically who he says he is. And it goes on then, just listen to this. Verse 21 through 23. John's waiting for an answer. And the answer that Jesus gives to the disciples is this. It says, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and what you've heard. Go back and report to John everything that you've seen and everything that you're hearing. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And then he says this, Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. You see, he brings, Jesus brings comfort and reassurance, reminding John what scripture says and what's being done by Jesus himself, proving who he was, backing it up and reinforcing it because John would have known, um, would have known the prophets and the Old Testament and would have understood that the coming Messiah would do these things. 
But also in this moment, Jesus finishes with the, the verse we've got as, as number 23. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And when John heard that, we can pretty much be sure that John didn't quite get, perhaps, the answer that he wanted. Because the answer is, John maybe, in his heartache and his pain, is hoping that this Messiah is going to get him out of prison. You've done all that you've done, and now I've got to a point where I'm handing the reins over to you, Jesus. This is what I've been called to do, so let's, let's have me out of prison because I've got a retirement house. You know, I've, I've got a, a, a something just nice that I perhaps want to go and spend a bit of time in. I'll leave it to you now. But it's what Jesus doesn't say that would have alert, uh, um, uh, alerted John to what was about to happen. Um, but Jesus says to him, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Essentially, blessed is him who is able to stand in the midst of trial and not fall away. What you, You're with Jesus, are you? Yes, I am. Easy to say when it's somebody talking to you. How much more difficult would that be in the places that we know around the world where it's impossible to be that person? Yes, I'm with Jesus, are you? And just a slight movement of an index finger, it's done. Yet we think, why would God allow that to happen? But of course, he has a plan. And though the wheels of time are in motion, and it was John's time now. John's time was done. But it, it, it was easy for us to say, well, look at what John's done. He, he deserves a retirement house somewhere. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? Did God not give him that? Pardon? Heaven. You see, the problem is with us as people, you and me, and we're all the same, is I, I judge everything by this. Everything. And I find comfort in the stuff that I know that God's given to us, like, like the house that I go home to. And, and that becomes the, the hinge point for everything. You know, what I've got, how I've got it. And John needed to know, John, this is the only hell you're going to ever experience. Don't fall away now, my friend. This is the worst it will get. And, and in a heartbeat, we will be in paradise. We will be with our Saviour and we will see him face to face. And Jesus himself tells his disciples, doesn't he, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go there to prepare a place for you. And he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you. And this morning, I guess, we have that opportunity to be on the right side or the wrong side of the if I go. I can assure you that Jesus has gone back to glory. Um, I think Alistair mentioned transfiguration just. <laughs> Jesus has gone back to glory and there he's sat at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for you and me and he's saying, you know, Matthew does do things wrong <laughs> and, and he does doubt and he does worry and he does fear and he occasionally, most of the time, gets a lot of stuff wrong. But he knows me, I know him and he's put his faith in me and he loves me. And God goes, well, all I see in Matthew is you, Jesus. How amazing is that? That's not because I'm anything. That's the same privilege that we all have as we put our faith and our trust in Christ. So this morning, you have the opportunity to be, uh, opportunity to be on the right side of the if. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
Jesus is saying the option's open for you to come into glory. The option's open for you for this life that we cling so tightly to. The option's there for you this morning to realise that it's bigger and it's better and God has gone and, and God has prepared a place for us and has made a way for us through Jesus Christ. And we have that opportunity by putting our faith and our trust in him, saying sorry for our sin. And as Jesus has brought comfort and reassurance to John, he's also brought home the truth of it, that sometimes the storms of life are too much. And sometimes, and inevitably for all of us, unless the Lord returns, it will get to a point where there isn't a tomorrow. But my Bible tells me that I have a hope and a future, and that it's steadfast and sure, and that when tomorrow doesn't come, well, that just means, as I'm absent from my body, means I'm where? I'm at home with the Lord. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. So if I'm not here, I'm not in Retford, <laughs> I'm home. Amen? Amen? And John's actions and Jesus' response can go to help us in our times of doubt, and we will have them. And we can learn from John's uh, questioning and we can learn from Jesus' response and we can apply it to our own lives. So when fear and doubt creep in, one of my favourite psalms, and, and again it's, it's well known, Psalm 46 and verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Um, and I often need to do that. It, it should say be still and be quiet. But I find in my stillness I can keep my mouth shut. And, and I like that, and I'm only being honest with you, that in my stillness, sometimes I'm absolutely quiet, and I can be still, and I can know that he's God. When I shut everything else out, and I shut this, and I just breathe. And also in verse 1 of Psalm 46, it says this, and these are the things that we have to think on. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. What that doesn't mean is everything is going to be absolutely smooth and plain sailing. But what it does mean is that God is with us, he loves us, and he will help us through it. And even if the very worst should happen as we consider it, just in a moment, we're at home with our Lord. What a delight. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that as we can just see this morning as we read your word that you love us, that you want the best for us. And Father, so often we think the best is the comfort that we experience in our lives by the things that we place around us. But Father, the best is that we know you more. The best is that we seek you more. The best is that we spend time with you, that we relax in you. And your word tells us, as Paul pens, that the Holy Spirit would down home in our hearts, be comfortable within us. And I just pray, Lord God, that you might just help us over the next few weeks and months. That, Lord, whatever comes into our lives, that you would just help us through it and strengthen us. And too, Lord, we think of those things that have come in to individuals' lives that have, have rocked the boat, as it were. That, Lord, you would just steady that ship. And that, Father, that you would help each person to come to a knowledge and an understanding 
that you are a loving God and that you care for us and that you do indeed want the very best for each one of us. So Lord, I just pray that we might just focus on you over these coming days and months and we just praise your name this morning, we lift your name high and as we close together, as we worship together now, I just pray, Lord God, that you might help us to just reflect and to just give thanks and that we might share in your wonder. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.